I'm Jess. And I'm Sandra. This is Emily. And now... It's time for Sandra's Sucky Summaries. Okay, so in this episode, there are two deaths. Claudia, a person, and Cinnamon, a cat. Lorelai and Rory choose to go to the cat's wake, obviously. But before that, we hear about Rudolph Gottfried, who may or may not have been a Nazi... And we see Lane skanking through Rancid. Cinnamon has a stroller with a private area, and Maury cannot do it on command. We see Dean again, framed by white flowers, before scaring the life out of Rory on the bus. On said bus, Rory forgets there are stops. At the Chilton Bake Sale, Suki is out of this world. Max hits on Lorelai just a bit more and says the magic words. How about coffee? And a cup of lemonade used to douse fire, still one dollar. At Stars Hollow, Rory doesn't know who M. Night Shyamalan is, but Lane knows way too much about him. Cinnamon is dyspeptic, and so is Maury. Blame Owls. Lane calls Rory a freak, and she's not technically wrong. Not Kirk is officially a Kirk, but still not Kirk. Lorelai wants to be in the Bengals, even though they're broken up. And Max tells her a sad story about his uncle. Suki loves Jim Carrey and quote-unquote fixing Luke's food. As for Luke, he wants Suki on a leash. Cinnamon unfortunately dies at 280 years old, human years, and Babette and Maury take it pretty hard. That being said, we see a ton of gnomes in this episode, big and small. At the wake, there's an iMovie transition in the middle of the scene. Kirk, but not, tells Miss Patty she's allowed to put anything in her mouth that she wants to, and Luke and Suki compete about food. Later, Babette wants to know how Max is in the sack, and Rory surrounded by gnomes is horrifying. The episode ends with two men confronting the Goma girls and telling them, Hey, I like you, but you obviously don't like me. Let's stop talking. Unfortunately, or fortunately, both women do actually like the men, and thus starts two new relationships, although one more than the other. And that was Cinnamon's Wake. Let's discuss. So I just want to start off with how much I enjoyed Emily's joke about a no- knowing a Nazi. Yes. And Lorelai was so like not into it. And I was like, no, that was funny. You got to give it to her. <laughs> I mean, Lorelai absolutely had the appropriate reaction if somebody was like yeah. actually hanging out with a Nazi. But I love, love, love this example of her, Emily's like extremely dry yes. humor. No, my dear. That it's was so a good. joke. <laughs> and I I love Rory's like pity laugh because she's not like really laughing but she's also recognizing that it's funny I don't know I feel like I feel like Rory actually did laugh because as soon as she looks at Lorelai she quiets down like oh no you're right not funny I enjoyed it I feel like Emily would be someone that would be really fun to like gossip over high tea with Oh, she definitely knows everything about everyone. 100%. She's the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> um, so this Claudia person, right? What was it like? Cousin, but not actually cousin. Your grandma's father's sister's girl. Or something like that. Your father's mother's sister's girl? Your father's 
Third cousin. Sisters. It was, yeah, it was distant. That's an awkward situation. Honestly, if I would have been invited to that funeral, it's like, ooh, do I know this person? Have I ever met this person? It would be awkward to go to a funeral where the people don't know you. Yeah. It is awkward, but, like, Emily is obviously not broken up over oh by the way like it's a side note that she passed away like i don't feel like any moral support is technically needed in that situation it's gossip again right yeah on your own family and it was i'm trying to remember everything that emily said but it was on on lorelei's dad's side right i think like this isn't so this i mean this continues the trend that we will see of not knowing anything about emily's side of the family nope it's all about Richard. Mm-hmm. Even random relatives that die can't belong to Emily. <laughs> Even when he's not around, it's still about Richard. Yeah, because he's oh, yeah. not in this episode. Nope. But I mean, Richard not being in episodes is something that we see way more frequently than Emily not being in episodes. I'd say specifically in the first season, it just seems like he's really only in every other episode with a Friday night dinner. I think when the series started, it was truly a special appearance by Edward Herbert. And then as the series took off, and obviously everything you see about the cast online is that they're all great friends. Um, He's obviously becomes a larger character. So I have a question. What is with Dean's voice? Like, What about Dean's voice? I didn't notice anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have seen so many episodes of Supernatural, right? And I know what Jared sounds like. But in the first season, he sounds so weird. And I need someone else to validate me. I need someone else to understand. Isn't it like, an, I'm not a Supernatural fan, but like, isn't there a whole thing with Supernatural yes. about the guys doing weird voices? The guys deepening their voices. So like, you watch yes. the first... Season one, episode one, and, like, especially Jensen, like, because Misha's not mm-hmm. in it yet, but especially Jen- Jensen, like, he sounds so young, and so does Jared. And then as, like, the series goes on, their voices just keep getting deeper, because it, it makes it more manly or something. You're not wrong. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> and, and Jared, in this episode, I think he's only, like, 18 or 19, for he's real. 18. So he mm-hmm. is still kind of a baby. It would make sense that his voice isn't fully developed yeah. i guess was a little I younger guess. still so that image of dean with like the flowers in the back right <laughs> it was very angelic i uh, this episode so we we spoke a little bit briefly before recording and we kind of felt like this was kind of a filler episode yeah. I, you know no really huge plot points i mean you could argue kind of the start of relationships sure but it's not like a major landmark episode but i will say we've already talked about how we're not huge fans of dean obviously dean's arc through the show is kind of a tragic one we see him start off like this he is so freaking cute yes in this episode the way he smiles the way he talks i was like oh okay now i know why i was in love with jared for like the first season because he's so cute i would second that this is awkward. Sorry, Sandra. My my note is literally, I hate Dean. <laughs> oh, no. And I don't know. Point, I don't know if it's, like, because of later on, it's affecting me now. Yeah. But I just, she's so awkward around him. She yes. is. Like, she sees him and gets scared and runs away. Multiple yeah. times. 
But that's also Rory. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely, like, that was something that I noticed throughout the episode. I, like, I, we've all talked about how much I like boys, especially back in middle school and high school, and I was awkward. And I was that girl who had a crush on the guy who, you know, did library checkout during my lunch, and I'd go into the library just to look at him (laughs) while he was checking out books. And I used to check out the snowboard magazines because I knew that he snowboarded because we were MySpace friends. And that's really dating myself. Um, But I used to run away, you know, like if he noticed me, I would run off. And I get that. I don't know if you can hold that against Dean. Oh, no, no, no. That's not why I dislike Dean. I dislike (laughs) Dean because, you know what? I did forget that at the end of the episode, he does tell her like, all right, obviously you're not into this. I'll back off. But before that, I was just like, wow, this kid's so insistent. He gives me Stranger Danger vibes. I th- the only part of this episode where Dean bothered me was when she's going to leave the grocery store and, like, he steps in front of her to stop her. Which yeah. I understand teenagers at this point, you don't really have the concept of, like, abusive relationships or, the, like, that's kind of a red flag. So mm-hmm. I, I, at that age, I can see how him not recognizing that that's probably not a, a great idea to do that and her not recognizing red flag for our guy to do that. Um, but that was the only part of this episode where I was like, mm, Dean, you're getting a little sketchy here. But the rest of it, like, I even have a note. Dean is, re- Dean is really cute in this episode. I like him. Yeah. I uh, Well, I will say, at the end of the episode, when we do have that moment where Dean says, you know, obviously you're not into me. I'll back off. I did see that as something that could possibly be a little bit manipulative. Yeah. Right? Like, it's really forcing Rory's hand. Mm -hmm. It's it's giving her this almost ultimatum of, you know, I've been pursuing you, and unless you say something right now, like, I'm gonna stop. Because he thinks that she likes him. He says that. I I thought you liked me. I like you. And it's directly comparable to Lorelai and Max, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Max does it in a much better way. Oh, yeah, because he's a grown-up. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go back to the first Max and Lorelai kind of event. At, at the bake sale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we see uh, yet another Suki near disaster. What is that? Yeah. Well, the building's in stone. It'd be fine. <laughs> but, like, I mean, they're, like, playing it up so much in season one mm-hmm. with her being like, oh, no, Rory, like, you can't do it. It takes a delicate touch. And then she just... <laughs> Sets the whole tablecloth on fire. Like, in the same breath, this woman, how does she survive the day? How has she lived this long? I have no idea. Ugh. I really don't know. Um, but she made about a zillion desserts. And they all looked and delicious. They do. But it wasn't surprising. Like, Rory in the beginning of the episode is like, bake sale, bake sale, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Did you do something? Mm-hmm. It's like, obviously she got Suki to do something. Yeah. It's Suki. Yeah. Like, I get Rory kind of freaking out about it, but at the same time, like, Rory, you know your mother. You know she went to Suki for a cook, for anything cooking related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, is it's like, is she expecting Lorelai to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I went up some chocolate chip cookies. Like, that's not something that we ever see. No. No. There's running jokes about the oven being used to store shoes. Yep. And that they have no idea where the cookie pan is. Obviously, Lorelai is not going to be doing the cooking. <laughs> 
It kind of makes me wonder, though, if Lorelai was supposed like in charge of something previously, like obviously before the series started that she kind of flaked on. Because I don't feel like Rory would have that reaction without a history of. Well, we kind of already see that history, don't we? With Lorelai uh, not waking up yeah. from the um, the alarm. And then later on, she's stuck in traffic when she gets to the parent-teacher meeting. Um, and she's wearing, or she doused herself with coffee. So, like, we kind of see it already. Yeah. I think those are different situations, though. That's not, yeah. like, especially at the PTA conference, that's not a direct, I guess, a direct reference to Rory. Where Rory yeah. would be there and see the the embarrassment or whatever of, of mm-hmm. Lorelai not being prepared. This is straight up Lorelai is supposed to do and provide something for the school and is not doing that. Which, who knows. Did you guys ever have like big bake sales? I was trying to think back to bake sales that we had when I was in school. And I don't think that bake sales are really a thing anymore. Like, you're really not supposed to bring in homemade goods to schools anymore for like oh it might be different stuff. now yeah um well yeah now now you mm-hmm. have to like bring in store-bought individually wrapped kind of stuff for safety reasons right and for allergy reasons but i was just trying to think about you know when when we had bake sales when i was a kid it was never a huge thing like if somebody's parent brought in a thing of brownies that came from safeway or whatever like they cool brownies but I also did not go to a very prestigious private school. <laughs> yeah. Mine wasn't too prestigious, but it was a thing. Uh, the youth group that we had, everything was towards that. And mm-hmm. um, I do remember making cupcakes and brownies with my mom at like 9 o'clock at night the night before. <laughs> and then you would sell um, each cupcake or brownie for like a dollar. Yeah. And, like, you see that scene of Rory, again, very awkwardly, um, only have a dollar on her? Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of being a kid and not having any money. Yeah. I I just, like, I don't know where... We do need to get back to Max and Lorelai at the bake sale, but to that, to that note about her just having the dollar, I don't know why she would want to buy something. I mean... I understand that she's trying to, like, make it less sketchy that she just went in to check him out, but, Just get girl, a bottle of water. Like, <laughs> you're a smart person, right? Grab a pack of gum or something. <laughs> Don't be a mousetrap and a head of lettuce. Oh, Rory. She was clearly not paying attention to what she grabbed. I feel like it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing with the cornstarch in the next episode or two, where she just, mm-hmm. she's just reaching her hand out and grabbing things. She has no idea what she's grabbing. Maybe that's why their uh, kitchen is so poorly stocked. Maybe she learned it from Lorelai. <laughs> okay, I need to mention something about their kitchen real quick. Because they have a huge box that says bread on their mm-hmm. fridge. What? <laughs> what is that? Why do they have that? It's not I even mean, in a way that you can grab it and be like, that's where the bread is. It's not for bread either. Your fridge generates <laughs> heat. Heat. Yeah. I think they spread go bad quicker, if I remember correctly. I mean, heat and then the moisture from the bread itself mm-hmm. is conducive to a mold growth. Yeah. Anyways, back to Max and Lorelai. <laughs> At the bake sale, no mold growth there. <laughs> no. uh, just a lot of arm touching. I don't know if you guys caught yes, this, but Max Medina touch. is a big yes. arm grabber. 
He does it in like every scene with Lorelai. He's always just grabbing her arm. I don't think he's. I have a note. I don't think he's like Max fully is very touching. Grabbing it. I think he's you know it's oh a little bit enough to like get her to stop and pull. I don't think it's like a full blown arm grab. It's a yeah. It's a touch the arm and you know she obviously likes him so. Oh, definitely. I I don't think there's anything like you know she leans wrong into with it. it. It just. It's an interesting character trait yes. that every time he's always touching her arm. Yes. Always her arm. <laughs> so I'm from New Jersey, which is basically Italian central. And <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me a lot of the guys here. I'd say, is Max Italian? Yeah. I'm Medina? Pretty sure. That sounds maybe. It, it could be. I don't uh, know. I want to check Scott Cohen now. Am I just making. He's from the Bronx. Okay. And Medina is a common habitational Spanish Muslim toponymic certain. I have no idea what this word is. I've never seen this word before. This is what happens when we Google on the flight. (laughs) (laughs) But it is listed on italiannames.com. Okay. Perfect. He's Italian. You heard it here. Canon. (laughs) So we say. This is the way. Anyway, so you just reminded me of the guys around here. The, like, touching, the talking with your hands, all that stuff. Um, and yeah. he does it often. Mm-hmm. You're right. Something I noticed throughout this episode, and I'm so I'm so frustrated. I was talking with my co-host before we started, and my notes that I'm pretty sure I took during the episode just disappeared from my phone. But what are the notes I made? Supposedly. Um, that kind of reflects all of the... <laughs> the, suppo- the supposed notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe I dreamed about it. I'm not like a hundred percent sure, but something I noticed throughout all of the interactions between Lorelai and Max in this episode, and all of, honestly, all of their interactions throughout the show, I would love, and I'm I'm happily in a relationship. I'm not out there looking for anybody, but I would love to be pursued the way that Max pursues Lorelai. He is so clearly enthralled by her presence you know Mm -hmm. he thinks she's beautiful he thinks she's smart and funny like I love the way that he looks at her and seems to like get her yeah I just that's it's kind of magical and Mm -hmm. I love the way that he's always like do you want to it's not a but you need to go with me it's a but this is a great idea and he's like trying to talk her into it It's just and at the bake sales, but do you want to? And she, you know, well, I shouldn't because of this. And he's like, but do you want to? Do you want to? And I love that that is the method, I guess, that he uses to kind of try to talk her into it. You know, because I think if she had just said no, he would have been, okay, that sucks, but walks away. But yeah. he's not like, I don't feel like he's trying to manipulate her. He's just, you know, trying to be like, no, just give me an answer. Do you or don't you? And I, I appreciated that. I have a note on Lorelai. She was not surprised at him asking her out. I love her facial expressions, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she very clearly expects him to ask her out when when mm-hmm. she goes with him. So I think she's been struggling with or maybe even dealing with her feelings for him as well. Right? Yeah. Well, we see the initial attraction during the meeting, right? At Chilton, mm-hmm. the parent meeting. Mm-hmm. And then we get a hint of his clear interest with the phone call, the voicemail. And then from this point on, he's like, I like you. Like, I'm, I like Let's you. Do and this. I think you like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which it's is fair. I, I think Lorelai would have probably 
already put in a decent amount of thought as to why she shouldn't go out with him before he asked her out because like I understand having those excuses readily available of your my kid's teacher and you a teacher at Chilton and stuff but I think I think she would have already thought of those reasons and tried to talk her out of dating him with those reasons so then when he approached her she already had them readily available like we know Lorelai talks talks and thinks fast but that's yeah well we already like kind of saw a hint of it right mm-hmm. with Je- yellow tie man Jax. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she told him straight up, like, no, you're a Chilton dad. And again, we, we touched on this before, but just the fact that it was such a clear no mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Chilton dad, but with Chilton teacher, so much worse. worse. <laughs> so much worse. And listeners, if you feel differently, please write in and give us a, a different opinion. But I I think it's a million times better to date another random student's dad who is not every day involved in your a life. A teacher. Agreed. Who is every day involved like, in your so life. Like there's so many possible conflicts of interest and I know that we will see those kind of conflicts of interest brought up over the next, you know, few episodes, mm-hmm. but just and like trying to think about it as an adult, trying to imagine myself having a kid, you know, I think I would be much less weirded out as a parent if I knew that, you know, one of the students' moms was dating another parent than one of the students' moms is dating the teacher. Mm-hmm. Just from every point of view that is not Lorelai's, this is whack. Well, and I think I think the parents involved at Chilton as well, I, I don't know why I feel, I can't pinpoint anything, but I have a feeling that they would immediately go to the worst conclusion out of that, and they would immediately... Yeah. She's only here because her mom is dating this teacher and she's going to fly through because her mom is dating this teacher. And then that's just going to make Rory's situation at Chilton so much worse because the parents are obviously going to tell the kids, share those feelings with their kids of she's only here because of this relationship. And it just, I fully get Lorelai's reasoning for not wanting to. Yeah. Agreed. She just doesn't have the the emotional maturity to truly stick to that at this point Mm -hmm. but i still like this is the beginning of it and i still like the lorelei max relationship i do i I really do like it i like them together it wasn't the right time and obviously he wasn't the right guy in the end spoilers but it's fun to see it start because it's it's truly like it's a an adult fairly healthy relationship Mm -hmm. apart from apart from the fact that you know he's a teacher so i do have a note it's a a literary foreshadowing is the first thing he asked her is, um, I propose a date, right? Oh, and mm-hmm. he is the first one who proposes. So, like, Ooh. yeah, a little foreshadowing. They also talk about a wedding at one point. So, like, the first day, you already know, you kind of get where this is going. But this is also, I think I maybe said it, like, I don't know if I said it in our very first recording that wasn't an actual podcast or our first podcast, but the Gilmore women are written to be like catnip to men, right? Like they are supposed to be intoxicating and no man can come into contact with a Gilmore girl and not be absolutely like besotted by her. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that they're written. Mm -hmm. But especially Lorelai is, she's supposed to be kind of this perfect girl, right? She's obviously gorgeous. She's funny. She has her life together. The worst thing about Lorelai from a dating perspective is that she has a daughter, right? That she has a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I think if I was Max and I met her, I would instantly be like, she is perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Like, especially, he, I love that he is like, you know, we're equals, right? We can keep up with each other. I love that idea. I love that idea when people are attracted to other people because they see them as an equal, that it's like a fair relationship. Yeah. Because a lot of relationships we see in the media, it's not fair, right? There's like a power imbalance. Mm-hmm. And some of the attraction comes from that, like, oh, I shouldn't date you. But, like, this is oh, this is so good. It's making me sad because I know <laughs> where it goes, you know? But it's fun. Shifting over to Stars Hollows just for a little bit. Rory's freaking mess, man. <sighs> yeah. And I get it. I mean, she's, what, 15, 16 She's 15, technically. 15, yeah, because we see her 16th mm-hmm. birthday coming up. 15, but yet she and... technically drove her mom's car to school in the previous episode. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... She I only wonder... would have had her permit. I wonder if Connecticut rules are different. I doubt it. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> Should we Google? <laughs> uh, quick Google. Connecticut. Yeah. Because maybe in Connecticut, you can, like, drive alone with a learner's permit. I know you certainly couldn't do that in Washington. You need to have a, a licensed a- adult in the car. Yeah, not in Indiana. You can't. They, 16-year-old for both learner's permit and driver's license. And oh. the parents have to drive with them when they only have the learners. So, just straight up, Rory should not have been allowed to drive that vehicle. Okay. So, that's how Indiana's law is now. But when I was growing It might have been different. When I was growing up, you could get your learner's permit at 15, and then you could get mm-hmm. your driver's license, I think, 30 days after you turned 16. So the law mm-hmm. might have changed since then, but I highly yeah. doubt she would have been able to drive without an adult on her permit. Yeah. Well, maybe that's that why she doesn't call the police or tell anyone. When she gets anyone. hit by a deer. <laughs> when she gets hit by a deer. Because she's already breaking the yes. law. Yeah. Yeah. And the insurance would not have covered that. Mm-mm. Rory is a mess in this episode, and her her little freak out with Lane outside of Dozie's Market, where she realizes she wants to go in and look at Dean, but she's embarrassed about it. Again, yeah. I connect with that. Same. I knew I did that kind of thing. <laughs> like, that awkward, I'm about to do something that's really scary for me, but I don't want my posse with me right now. Like, I don't want the potential uh, embarrassment that could come from this. Yes. But... Think about how much less weird it would have been if she had brought Lane with her. At least she had a backup if with Lane. Right? But then she would like, have to oh, tell just... Lane. Well, and she's yes. I didn't tell her. She's your best friend. Yes, I don't think Rory was ready to even like obviously she knew that she liked Dean, but Rory's a very private person as we see many yeah. times. Mm-hmm. She was just not ready to share that with the world with anybody yet so i can i can understand her not being quite ready to tell lane yeah so jess i know you don't have your notes Mm -hmm. but in dozy's market did you see it there's a shearling jacket oh yes i didn't oh my gosh shearling jacket alert and i missed it (laughs) (laughs) it's some random guy it's not one of the main so that's why I didn't wait till fashion, but uh, yeah. it, it is on an extra. What I noticed well, in Dosies was the girl or the woman that's checking people out as Lord, as Rory walks in has to be like the slowest checkout person ever because she's standing there like holding an item she hates life. and is like slowly typing it into the to the computer and then just slowly puts it down and moves on to the 
Next. Smells like, thank God this is a small town because no grocery store could process with this. Like, she would oh, not yeah. have a job. <laughs> I think it's crazy that Dosie's is like the grocery store. And it's so small. For how small it is. And especially considering it is obviously a set. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The stuff on the shelves do not make sense at all. And they're always like weird stuff next to stuff that shouldn't be together. Do they only have one cash register? No, they had two because Dean jumped from the one he was at yes. and jumped okay. over to her line. I think I think it changes yeah, with episodes, that. though. I think sometimes there's one, sometimes yeah. there's two. Yeah, I was trying to remember. That's totally fair, too. Oh, dosies. And we haven't even met. We have not met Taylor yet. We haven't. <gasps> we have heard him spoken of a couple of times, but we have not seen the man. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh, and... Who do we see in this in, in dosies? <laughs> His name is finally Kirk. Kirk the Jerk. Hey, Kirk. However. Kirk the Jerk. <laughs> we know from future episodes, Miss Patty knows Kirk since he was in diapers. Yes. And she right? has I no was trying idea to remember that. who this man is. Or this, he doesn't know who she is. This episode particularly stood out to me as like, and maybe it's happening in like bizarro Stars Hollow, like a slightly different reality because we get the Kirk thing. We see Luke do a number of things in this episode yes. that are so yes. weird yes. for Luke. Like, unbelievable. There, This is a wild episode for, like, continuity reasons. We'll talk about Luke because I have a whole note about Luke <laughs> at that wake. Did not make yeah. sense. I have notes about Luke just throughout this whole episode, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so we meet Miss... Or, we don't meet Miss Patty, but we get a little bit more of a glimpse mm-hmm. into Miss mm-hmm. Patty. Yeah. And she reminds me of my grandmother. Aww. So I have like I have a soft spot for Miss Patty, but oh, I, I love Miss Patty. My grandma is not like uh she wasn't a handsy person with guys like Miss Patty is, <laughs> but like just that she knows everything and uh she walks with this air of like I am important, which she is important, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh I really like Miss Patty. I think she brings such charm into Star Hollow. I, I yeah. love her. That's why I tried to make her Stars Hollow's person of the week in episode oh. one, and I was voted out. So sorry, uh, Jess. But I love it. This is the first time that we see her outside of the door, like outside or away from the doorway of her dance studio. Mm-hmm. This is like Patty out of her, her normal element. And I wanted, that's a really great point that you brought up about the way that Miss Patty holds herself. So I'm a TikTok person. I love TikTok. Uh, and there's this TikTok sound where this girl, who's like a mid-sized girl, is being asked about, like, oh, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, what would you rate yourself? And she's like, 10. And the person interviewing her was like, oh, no, but be for real. Like, what? And she was like, I'm a 10. I'm flawless. That is absolutely, I think, the way that Patty feels about herself. Oh, Patty like, would have said a lot. She's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> she is just so <laughs> confident. The way that she approaches Every man, it's like she knows that they want her to the point where these guys are kind of like, gosh, do I want her? Like, Speaking of TikTok, real quick, shameless plug, Gilmore Girls podcast, TikTok, we're on there. Okay, bye. I Who saw that. Ooh. Gilmore Girls podcast is a good, is a good grab. Tried it and it worked. And I was excited. <laughs> we're going to have to say some really fun, quippy things so that we can make TikToks. So we'll go back to Dean a little bit, and, and this is going to be some some inconsistency in the show itself, but when Dean jumps on the bus with Rory when she's on her way to school, mm-hmm. this is when you see her reading a book, but Rory tells Dean that it takes 40 minutes by bus to get to Chilton. 
if mm-hmm. the driver's paying attention. In the previous episode, when she is on the road and gets hit by the deer and she's on the phone with Lane and Lane goes, Rory, it's 740. 35 minutes later, the clock zooms in at Chilton. It's 815. That's 35 minutes by car. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't care what bus you ride, but if you are riding a bus that takes stops, a 40-minute yes. bus ride is a 15-minute car ride. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So at that point, there's if it was 740 and she was already on the road, there is no way that she should have been 10 minutes late. Yeah. So I live, I've said, in the Portland area, and one of the things that we have is a pretty great transit system, or we try to have a good transit system. There's all kinds of issues with it. But let's say my work is 20 minutes away just by car, and that's dealing with morning traffic or whatever. For me to get to the place that I work on a bus is an hour and 15 minutes Mm -hmm. for a ride that is usually less than 20 minutes in my car. So the idea that the timing of the bus versus a car, and we've already had Rory give an exact time for the drive. 30 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes with no traffic. She timed it. Like... Adding an extra 15 minutes, that's crazy. Like, is this an an express that makes, like, three stops in Stars Hollow and then goes straight to Hartford? Maybe. I mean, that would make sense. That's literally the only way. I will say, where she gets hit by the deer is called Maple Tree Mm -hmm. Lane, and that doesn't scream Hartford to me. That screams Stars Hollow. Well, also, it's just like a a dirt road. It's a dirt road. (laughs) Yeah, and she is calling Lane Mm -hmm. for notes with the implication that she's going to pick them up. So I think she's still in Stars Hollow when she makes that call. So that 35 minutes makes sense. The 40 minutes does not. It will take way more than 40 minutes. Yeah. But I do think she only started her journey at that point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think there's just in general inconsistencies between how long she says the bus ride takes and how long her drive Mm -hmm. takes. One of those does not match. I agree completely. I will say that driving to New York is not something I would ever recommend mm-hmm. doing. But taking no. the train, it only takes me half That's an hour. Bad. And driving there is yeah. like an hour. Yeah, I've taken... So for me, the train is good. I've taken the train from where my brother lives in Jersey, and it's like a half-hour train ride. I have also mm-hmm. driven into Union City and taken a little, like, short bus into New York City. And that is more cost-effective than the train. Yes. Um, but also, don't look out the window. Oh. Don't watch. Don't don't watch what's going Yikes. on. Just wait. Uh-huh. Just keep your head down. <laughs> well, we have, because they get so close to the other cars. We have uh, in Portland. We have what's called the Max, which is like a little kind of almost looks like a bullet train, but it goes at a much slower speed. And if you take like the Max from point A to point B, it's it's much faster. But just as an old like standard bus, never going to be a time effective way to get anywhere. But some people don't have options. No. And, I mean, at this point, we've been shown... Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, Rory doesn't have another option. She has to take the bus. Well, yeah. Rory's 15 and yeah. can't drive. Or should, <laughs> she not, be should not be driving <laughs> legally. So then we jump into Lorelai and Max at the yes. coffee shop. I feel like where Lorelai's Lorelai, a little harsh. Yeah, gives Max a really hard time. Yeah. But I love that Max gives it right back. Like the whole, oh, round one already tapped. And then he is able to reciprocate that exact comment mm-hmm. like two minutes later. They're equal. <laughs> I like it. I think one of the things that Lorelai struggles with in in trying to find a man is finding a man who can keep up with her. And, oh, yeah. you know, we kind of see that all throughout her relationships. The men that 
she has the connection, the, the best connections with are men that, you know, are really on par with her. Uh, and it's fun to see that with Max. But I do agree. She comes on kind of, kind of harsh. The man who just sits down in the middle of their conversation. Talk about zero social awareness. <laughs> like these two people I are mean... clearly looking at each other and discussing and he just comes in with his new pa- newspaper and then gives like the dirtiest look to max about I mean, did you hear what max just said <laughs> well yeah and and i think i t- i tried to listen and think out like out of context what that comment would be and i i get i guess i get the look mm-hmm. a little bit but like you said, no social awareness. The guy just walks in, sees two people clearly talking to each other, immediately sits between them, and then butts into the conversation with the dirty look, and then gets up and walks away. And also, I feel like this guy might be like six foot six because he looks huge. so tall. Yeah, when he walks away. He's like huge. they found the biggest extra they could, and they were like, "Just sit down right between the two of them." <laughs> and then, so she finally agrees, mm-hmm. and they schedule it for Thursday. Which I don't know if you remember. <laughs> She said in the beginning of the episode, Thursday is impossible to get away from the end, so she can't mm-hmm. go to the funeral. I really feel like Lorelai was just giving crap to Emily. Like, she just did not want to go, and she was making up excuses as to why she couldn't yeah. go. I mean, we've already seen her talking to Rory about, like, hey, we could use this as an excuse to get out of dinner. So she's not, she's certainly not above making excuses at, mm-hmm. but... That is true. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday turns out, though, to be a bad day. It does. Oh, cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon. But before we get there, we go to Luke's. And this is the first time we see Suki at Luke's. And eating his food and saying his food is good. Mm -hmm. I I mean, she also... And then still adjusts it. (laughs) But, I mean, I think it's still quite a compliment that she will, you know, eat his food. Because we mm-hmm. see she's kind of a food snob throughout the show, uh, especially. I I always think of with the food critic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you use too much salt, right? She's kind of she's kind of up in arms about it, but yeah, these burgers looked kind of sad though. They did. They were missing <laughs> onions. Apparently, I did think it was pretty funny how Luke yells her name, mm-hmm. and then it's obviously a repeated performance. Yes. Because he's like, I've told you already. <laughs> I think away. in this episode we get we get a little more of Luke, though. Because up to this point, mm-hmm. we only get like the quip, quick, quippy one-liners and he walks mm-hmm. away. This time we actually see some emotion and some more conversation and like feeling from Luke. And I thought that was kind of cool. This is where we start to see the real Luke. Yeah, the grumpy Luke. Yes. I mean, we've seen him be kind of grouchy. But one of, I think, Luke's key character traits throughout the show is just being this real grump, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to townsfolk or town activities. He's he's like an old curmudgeon who's not old. <laughs> I always uh, think of him as a grumpy cat. No, the grumpy yeah. cat. grumpy cat, but just a grumpy cat. Yeah. Because he is, he like hates people. Yes. How do you hate people and open a restaurant? (laughs) This episode, though, I'm excited for us to talk about the wake because I think that I think maybe there was a body double for Luke. He was body snatched (laughs) before the wake because the oh, my gosh. Can we just talk about it now? Because when Luke is sitting on the piano bench with Maury as Maury plays a sad song for Cinnamon and Luke is just sitting there 
so like zenned out, just kind of vibing. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> who is this man? This is not Luke Danes. My note is literally, I am shocked beyond belief that Luke is voluntarily at this wake. Voluntarily, to the point where he's sitting on the piano bench with Maury. I don't know. So Luke, and we haven't seen a whole lot yet, but throughout the series, Luke clearly has a lot of respect and in his relationship with Miss Patty and Babette. So mm, yes. Cinnamon was clearly Babette and Maury's child. Yeah. Like, this was their child, their baby. And because of more what we see in the future, but I can see Luke wanting to come and, and help out where he can. And, and it's been shown that Luke, while he's very curmudgeonly about participating in town events, he's not away from... He still does them. Yes, he still does them. He still caters. He still brings food. He yes. still does that to help. Yeah. So I, I'm with you on the zend out during the piano thing. That part surprised <laughs> me. Weird. But yeah. I wasn't surprised that he was there or that he brought food. Yeah, no, I think that Luke's, like, Luke's, uh, what would I say? His love language at this point in the series is acts of service. Mm-hmm. And I don't think neither Suki nor Luke, I don't think either of them charged yeah. Babette or Mori yeah. for their food. Yeah, I would agree with that. I loved the battle between Suki and Luke of like, Suki comes in like a general, we're going to do this here and this there and that there. And, and Luke just grab your food, just drops yep. it on the bag. I mean, I even love when they both arrive and try to go through the door at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more of that like uh, physical humor that we don't see throughout the rest of the series. But season one, they were still trying yeah, to like- Melissa's amazing at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I oh mean, my gosh. That's like her brand now. Yeah. yeah. There's one thing that- I forgot to mention, and maybe we'll mention fashion a little bit more, but Suki's cape was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do have some thoughts about that, but we will, we will talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did love their dynamic. I did think that it was a little bit, I think they realized, oh, Lorelai's two favorite people or two closest people, maybe not favorite at this point, mm -hmm. are both about food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So what happens when they come together in the competition? <laughs> yeah. I will say uh, meatloaf with ketchup is the way to go. I'll say that's such that's a common so... thing. Yes. How do you take offense to that? Like, I don't eat meatloaf. I just don't like it. But mm -hmm. all my life growing up, it ketchup. Yeah, that was just, that's how you do it. Yeah, uh, it doesn't always have to be that gravy. Honestly, ketchup is the way to go. At the same time, I was a little surprised that Luke made meatloaf. I don't know. I guess it is a diner. That is a staple at a yeah, diner. Yeah, doing, doing meatloaf, like meatloaf sandwiches and stuff. But <laughs> the first box that gets opened, so he drops the bags and he goes, you know, come and get it. The first box that somebody opens, I think, has like a hamburger and onion rings in it. And I thought I would give anything for somebody to bring me a burger and onion rings right now that just looks so good in the moment also just like a wild thing to i'm so i'm a picky eater i can't just you know assume there's going to be something that i'll eat everywhere i go the idea that to cater for a, an event you would just bring like a bunch of dishes in unlabeled boxes and just people would grab what they want and that's such a loop thing to do i oh, will yeah. say that is like 
That is perfectly Liz. <laughs> that makes sense. And so this week, it's in the tiniest house. So tiny. A mini house. It isn't a mini house. <laughs> Did you guys notice the miniature gnomes? Yes. They're amazing. There are so many gnomes in this episode. <laughs> there are a lot of gnomes. I almost want to go back and count how many gnomes because there were there was a ridiculous amount. Well, that one scene where Rory is like framed by gnomes—it's like attack of the gnomes. (laughs) And I like gnomes; like I think that they're cute. But that was too many gnomes. Plot her murder. (laughs) I I sympathize with Babette. You know, losing a pet is never easy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, I like. eventually I, ha- I recognize that my my two cats will not be with me and I will be an absolute wreck. Same. But I don't, I just genuinely, I don't know enough people to throw a giant packed house awake for my cats. So this makes me wonder if Babette and Maury could not have children. Because obviously oh, yeah. they love yeah. Rory. Babette is so loving and obviously does everything she can to take care of Cinnamon. I wonder if they got Cinnamon especially with how old Cinnamon is, which I did the mm-hmm. math for how how old that vet said she would have been in human years. And 280 This cat, this cat would have been 60 years old. Oh, that's, that is, yeah. that is no. not <laughs> that's ridiculous. Possible. That's not right. But, but I mean, you do meet cats who get up there to like in their 20s. 22 or so. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've met cats like that. But yeah, 60 year old cat. I do not, I do not believe that that vet was correct in her estimate. But I do wonder if they got cinnamon when they decided to maybe stop trying to have kids. And that's why the reaction to cinnamon passing is so strong. Cause I assume yeah. with, just, I think 260 was probably an exaggeration, but this is probably like a mid 20 year old cat. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that yeah. timeline would make sense. Yeah. Well, I think in 2000, when this would have aired, it was kind of a joke, right? Like, oh my God, she's throwing a wake mm-hmm. for her pet. But nowadays, especially in the past five years, people consider their pets their kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, you see a lot of like I'm a cat mom or like dog mom. Yeah, I mean, I was I was literally on the porch. So I have I live in an apartment and I have a little porch, um, and my cats are only allowed out on it sometimes, like with supervision, just because my cats are crazy. Uh, and I had one cat inside, one cat outside. We were all just hanging out, and I took a picture, and I was posting it to my personal Instagram, and my original. Uh, caption that I thought of was something about like, you know, me and the kids spending the morning on the porch and I was like, ooh, is that like too much? Like I don't I don't call myself like a cat mom very often, but I do I do get Babette's absolute like heartbreak. Like I've had friends' pets who have passed away. Especially, gosh, it's been a bad couple of years for my friends' pets. Um but I mean, I've been I've been heartbroken over those pets, so I completely believe that people would be genuinely sad. Mm-hmm. Although, I think the casting for Cinnamon was poorly done. That was clearly a cat in its prime. That was a healthy adult cat. That was not like an old twenty plus no. year old. Because if you met like one of those twenty plus year old cats, like they just. I don't know what they it is. Frail. They kind of they look frail or like they kind of shrink. Even if they yeah. don't get smaller, they just kind of I'm I'm going to slightly up. disagree here. 
Just because, so yeah. when I was 19, mm-hmm. my grandma lived, actually, she lived in the subdivision that I live in now, but she called me, she's like, hey, there's a cat that's been hanging around here. You know, do you want this cat? It's it's outdoor. I keep seeing it. It keeps begging for food. You know, I don't think it has an owner. So my boyfriend at the time and I went and picked up this cat and we had him for about a month until my grandma finally called me. And she's like, hey, I found flyers for the cat. <laughs> So we had to, obviously, we had to return him. So we called the number and like, hey, we have him. We're so sorry. You know, we thought he didn't have a home. But so we go and drop this cat off and we're talking to this family and they're super sweet, super nice. This cat was 19 years old and it just blew my mind because this cat did not look 19. Like it looked like it was in its prime. It, It had, it would play, it would run around, like it would obviously sleep all day like cats do, but like it did tricks. Yeah. Like, oh, man. this cat would stand up on its hind legs and, like, do a little thing with its front paws to beg. Aww. And it was so cute. But, yeah, this was a 19-year-old cat that I never would have known was that old unless they had told me it did not look that old. Yeah. So. Well, maybe. I mean, they t- they clearly took very good care yeah. of Cinnamon. Cinnamon had oh, yeah, definitely. her own special wagon with a privacy segment, like. A medicine cabinet. <laughs> She apparently could give eyes to Maury and get food, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. if it's clams. Maybe she did the same begging thing that other cat I found. Oh. But yeah, and it's obvious that Bivette also is scared of losing Maury. Yeah. Either also by death or because she mentions Oprah and how mm-hmm. she saw couples that after they lose a kid, they go their separate ways. Yeah. And I honestly think Bivette and Maury are very sweet. Mm-hmm. And they obviously do get through this, but it's obvious even in the episode they're going to get through this together. Like you yeah. see how much Maury loves Babette and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he's willing to live in a dollhouse. When, when he is already such a tall person to begin with. Like he's clearly mm-hmm. over, I think he's taller, at least as tall as Dean. So he's well I over six foot. I'd say he's probably taller than Dean. I mean, Maury is like is. a gigantic yes. man. But he's so skinny. <laughs> Dean tells Richard at some point that he is 6'2 in, in this mm-hmm. series, which would mean Maury would be at least 6'2. Yeah. Well, Jared's 6'4. He is now. But I think yes. that's between... Maybe he was 6'2. I think then yeah. he was 6'2. My guess would probably mm-hmm. be Maury's around the 6'4 range. Well, and so my boyfriend is 6'4. And he doesn't... I mean, he's tall, but he doesn't feel like ginormous to me because I've <laughs> known him for 10 years. But... Mm-hmm. More, I mean, when I look at Maury, especially next to Babette, he just looks like he's a seven foot tall giant, you know? I think it also factors in like how skinny he is, though. Oh, like, yeah. He is absolutely. so thin. Yes. He, he is a beanpole. What yeah. us in the Midwest prefer to <laughs> tall, skinny men. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, that's, that's what my boyfriend, his build is, too. So they very well could be the same height. So we also get the first indication of Babette and Miss Patty. Their friendship. Yes, I love their friendship so much. When I think of Stars Hollow, I think of their friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it's always Babette and Mrs. Patty. Like, I I can't imagine them separated. So it was nice to see that first little hug and also... <laughs> <laughs> the smothering. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, I need air. Yes. That was great. Yeah. And I, like, this is the first episode that we really get the community of Stars Hollow, right? Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. that so many people would come to the wake of this cat. 
And I get, it is a small house. It's easy to make a small house look packed. But <laughs> it seemed like there was a very good turnout. I mean, yeah, even with the food, like there was so much food. Yeah. You have to imagine there's going to be a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I think it just goes to how well, how beloved Babette is in this community because not everybody is going to have the same response to Cinnamon dying. Not everybody's there for Cinnamon. Everybody is mm-hmm. there for Babette and Maury. Yeah. Definitely. I just think it's so sweet. So one little detail that I noticed is that Rory is always cognizant of Maury's feelings. Yeah. I like their relationship. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Like she gives Maury a hug. And we see this in the future. Rory is such an awkward hugger. Like, she's yes. a butt-out hugger. That, like, <laughs> do you really want to be doing this? Or, But, like, she you, she sits down next to Maury when Cinnamon first passes and the vet's there before the wake and everything happens. And she gives him a hug. And it's just, it's very obvious that, that Rory has a lot of affection for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, poor Cinnamon. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Cinnamon. Yeah. But <sighs> we also, um... Still Thursday, right? Hello, Mr. Medina is here to pick up his date because it's Thursday. Yes, he is. <laughs> and Rory season. What a terrible way to learn that your mom is dating your teacher, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. especially because her first reaction is so legitimate. Like, did the school call? Am I in trouble? That's what I would think if my oh, teacher yeah. randomly showed up mm-hmm. at my house after hours. Not, oh, he's here for my mom. Right. I think Rory had a very valid, like, I totally get her reaction. I think she had a val- very valid and but also a very understanding reaction. Like, she did not freak out as much as another 15, 16-year-old would to find out that their mom's dating a teacher. I think she actually yeah. had a pretty calm reaction. Oh, definitely. Well, I think it, it also helps that she now understands a little bit because of Dean, mm-hmm. right? They had that scene. Um, Dean's like, all right, you don't like me. I'll go away. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, I do like you. Right? Mm-hmm. So she understands that sometimes you like people and you don't even mean to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think she, she compares that with her mom and Max. Well, and we have that great scene, I think, at the at the very end where Lorelai is talking about you know, one day you're going to meet a guy and he's just going to make you feel crazy and, you know. Or he's probably sitting there like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh. They have this conversation, by the way, in front of a microwave that has a bunch of miniatures on it. There's just a <laughs> lot of miniatures in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think there's a bit of a parallel going on between yes, Lorelai and Max definitely. and Rory and Dean in that Lorelai obviously wants and knows that she needs to tell Rory, but keeps putting it off and then it just never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, Rory, I think, wants to tell her mom about Dean, but is just so worried about the reaction. It's like both of them have these budding love lives and these two women who are so close in the series are both just unwilling and I think nervous and scared to talk to each other about their love lives. Yeah. We see a lot of we see a lot of parallels between Rory's relationships and Lorelai's relationships mm-hmm. throughout the whole show. Like, to the point where we see them play out almost the exact same scenario, you know, with their guys multiple times. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the first example of that with, you know, obviously you don't like me. No, I do like you for both of them. Same day, same time. I enjoyed seeing the tables turn, though, of like the yeah. guy come up and be like, hey, obviously, you know, 
feelings right there that I thought were so I'm gonna bow out. I, yeah. I really enjoyed seeing Lorelai be like, no, I want this. I do want this. Because up to this point, you know, you really only saw her being yes, but and now it just no, yes. That but yeah. is gone. Well she's kind of gotten that blessing, right? Like yeah. Rory didn't freak out, so she kind of knows that she has her opportunity. I did enjoy the well I was worried you were you would freak out. Thank God I was wrong. And like <laughs> yeah. the stare. I giggle a little bit at that every time. <laughs> so just to backtrack a little bit, I have Rory learns to not confide in Lorelai from Lorelai. So I do think that the scene with Lorelai not telling Rory shows how Rory in the future makes the same decisions. Yeah. 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 I mean, Rory obviously idolizes Lorelai, so it would make sense that she would basically... I know they say, like, do as I say, not as I do, but mm-hmm. where it continues to do as Lorelai does. Yeah. So, that was the episode, uh, and we had a lot of characters. Yes. Who was town person of the week? Well, I think because of their untimely demise, I think Cinnamon should be town's person of the week. Town cat? But I'm open to hearing what you guys think. <laughs> I go with Maury. Maury is so beat up over Cinnamon and the clams, which I think this was our first, like, true mentioning of Al's Pancake World. Not yes, Al's pancakes. Pancake World. Yes. They had a coupon. <laughs> um, but Maury, he was just so sweet, and he was so beat up over Cinnamon, but he is also clearly taking extra steps to be there for Babette as well. Yes. Like at the very end, when they're standing outside, just holding each other, looking up at the stars, mm-hmm. and... It just, it's so sweet. Maury's I love mine. them together. Couple goals. So, my vote is Babette. I think oh. she was, it was a very real depiction of grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she went through it, but she came out on the other side. Um, she also point blank asked the woman how her boyfriend was in, in bed. <laughs> yeah. So that was really funny. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I have a preposition, guys. Town's family? family of the week? I was kind I'm of right wondering there with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that we need to honor Babette, Maury, and Cinnamon this week. Do we know their last name? I was wondering that too. I don't I don't think Improv so. to Google again. <laughs> well, and I mean, also, it seems like, well, I mean, they have to be married, right? I or are think, they yeah. just one of those, like, new agey, live They're together? They're bohemian, but yeah. Well, Dell? Dell? Yes. Yes, I remember oh. that now, yes. The Dell um, family is our town's family of the week. Yes. Yes. However, is Maury's last name Dell? This is Ooh. the real question. Ooh. Did the back go modern? His last name is Dell. Okay. And they are married. All right. Or they're cousins, but we'll find that out <laughs> never. <laughs> I would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think that feels right. Yes. I feel like that's the right town I agree. pick. So uh, let us know if you agree with our town's family of the week, or if you thought Suki or Luke or whoever, and obviously you can email us or Instagram us. All of our stuff will be at the end of the episode. Yeah. So now it's... Reading books with Emily. Okay, so this week we don't really have any mentions of books, 
But while Rory is on the bus on her way to Chilton, we do see a book that she is reading by Virginia Woolf. And after pausing and rewatching that scene over like, that couple of seconds, you see the cover and then Googling Virginia Woolf's covers, I finally figured out what book it is. It is nice. called A Room of One's Own. It was uh, published in September of 1929, and it is actually um, – it is based on two lectures that Virginia Woolf gave in October of 1928 at the Newnham College and Girton College at the at Cambridge, because she's she's oh, from cool. Britain. Um, but the entire book is overall a very feminist lecture, essentially about how how women have been in literature or have not been in literature, and the title "A Room of One's Own" comes from the conception that a woman must have money and a room of her own to write. Because she goes into depth, especially in the 18 to 1900s, a woman's sole purpose is to get married and have a family. That is that is what they are there for, and that is what they are good for. So for a woman who, while also getting married and having a family, being able to sit down and read a book or write a book without constant interruptions is just mind-boggling and incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But in general, she does reference quite a few of female authors. And I learned about one author that I had never heard of before. And I was actually really disappointed that I had never heard of before. Um, Afra Ben. She was an English playwright from 1640 to 1689. So she came not too long after Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But she she is the first woman known to make a living off of her writing. That's she awesome. survived in yeah. her income from that. But then she also goes on to mention the Bronte sisters, Jane Austen, George Eliot, Rebecca West, Anna Finch, who was the Duchess of Countess of Winchelsea, I think, and how all of these women have affected literature and how most of them were pretty well off and had the the money to sit down and write. And it was, it was a very interesting read. It was it was a little slow at parts. I kind of struggled getting into it, but also I think part of that was just a not necessarily a language barrier, but a a slang barrier, I guess. I can't I can't think of the right word. But just how they wrote and talked in the twenties, nineteen twenties versus how we write and talk now are obviously yeah. very different. Um, but it is definitely a feminist book. Side note on Virginia Woolf, while she was married and had her own publication company, all of her books were published through her and her husband's company. She also had a uh, lesbian lover as well. Ooh, who also had married was married yeah. and had kids, um, and and she actually mentions it in the book as well. Uh, she's giving an anecdote and basically talks. She there was a line that she pulls out like this character likes this character and it's it's two women. It's like clearly mm-hmm. they work together, but it is more than just a working relationship. Gay icon into it. But then she and she also goes on too as as to men about how men are better than women, and as soon as women start to come up, men have to come back and specify. Okay, well, you can be this good, but I'm still better. Yikes. So you do get a little bit of radical feminism in there, which I don't think is quite always the best the best way to go. Um, I'm more for equal values. They are at the same level. And I, there's a little, you can kind of get some hatred out of there that she's not a huge, might not be a huge fan of men, or at least in, in the view of the story mm-hmm. of, this, of yeah. these essays. But it was a very interesting read. I would I would welcome anybody who wants to discuss it, who has a better take on it. Please do. I have not read an intellectual book like this in quite a while. So it was like jumping in the cold water. 
But yeah, no, for and real. You were going to maybe do something on Instagram, right? Yes, yeah. Starting next week, um, I watch these episodes roughly a week in advance to get the books that I want to discuss. So I have time to research or read if the timing is available. Um, so I will be throwing out on Instagram what books are going to be in the upcoming episode. Um, so pay attention. And again, our Instagram will be at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out, send emails, whatever. If you have a hot take on the book, let me know. So after books, we have... Welcome to Jess's Fashion Corner. Okay, this is um, an interesting episode for fashion. We see a lot less. I think this, this kind of takes place over a shorter period of time. But there were definitely some standout outfits. Uh, we started with a Friday night dinner. And uh, I know that Sandra mentioned it before we started recording, but... Lorelai looks incredible in that blue top. Uh, really, she like the way that it brings out her eyes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To have the kind of eyes that those Gilmores have, like I have blue eyes. I do not have that blue of an eye. Like I just love how bright they are. Her uh, color palette this week was like blues and purples, and Mm -hmm. they really worked for her. Yes, definitely. Uh, One thing I wanted to point out was that Emily's starfish pin returned. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but she had that starfish pin on a couple episodes back. And again, we're seeing Emily loves the sea, kind of hinting from the very beginning. We didn't think about it, but now we know. Uh, I have a note that says Lorelai just has too many leather jackets. As a person who has like an obscene number of denim jackets, I understand having something that you enjoy, but... We see Lorelai in so many different leather jackets throughout this first season. They're not cheap. Clearly. Right? Exactly. Leather jackets are expensive. And clearly they're trying to say, you know, Lorelai is fashion forward. She's got this kind of toughness to her. That's kind of what leather jackets are used to uh, get across in, you know, visual media a lot of the time. But that's what Lorelai spent her trust fund on. Just a yes. crap ton of leather jackets. Just leather jackets in every color under the sun, too. Uh, we see Lane in a, another, like, layered band tee. I couldn't figure out what that band was. Did either of you know? It, there was, like, a star with an I in it and a P and an I. So if when, you... When she was skanking to Rancid? Yes, when she was skanking to Rancid. Which we'll talk about. And I, but I just... That was another fun Lane moment where you see... Lane is putting her own style over the clothes that are Mrs. Kim approved. And I just love that, you know, just opening the door and there's Lane being the most Lane. <laughs> Quintessential Lane. Yes, classic Lane. Uh, Suki in this episode uh, has a lot of fun hairstyles again. We see lots of intricate braids, which we were talking about again before the episode. Suki has to be doing these all herself in, in fiction, right? How is this woman so good at doing such delicate, intricate things, but she cannot walk and hold a torch at the same time without it being, like, a major disaster? I don't know. I have... <laughs> I think this is my favorite fashion note that I made. Max, at the the bake sale, is Dark Academia Goals. Yeah. So, Dark Academia, if you're not familiar with it, is this kind of aesthetic um, style that has become really popular over the last couple years where you essentially look like you could be oh I don't know a teacher at a prestigious you know ivy covered school 
And in this scene, Max is really living up to that potential. I love the sweater over the button shirt with the the big, you know, thick tweed jacket over it. Mm-hmm. He looks good. It fits him well. He looks so handsome. And then unfortunately, when he has his pre-date with Lorelai, he kind of goes back to just being, you know, button-up shirt, no tie, jacket. Oh, he's no longer a teacher at that point. He's there as Max. Yeah, but I mean, still, it was like, keep the cute stuff on, in my opinion. He was still like a guest lecturer, though, so he was still running the teacher thing, wasn't he? Right, yeah, or he, mm-hmm. he should still look business casual at the very least, which he did. I just didn't love it. It was like a blue check shirt, just not as uh, dignified and classic as his previous outfit was. During the coffee date, Lorelai is wearing a purple v-neck sweater, which is fun. We see a lot of colors on her, like Sandra was saying, blues, purples in the episode. They really work for her skin tone. Uh, Lauren Graham looks great in everything, but jewel tones especially like bring out the vibrance of her eyes. Again, more sweaters when we have our lunch at Luke's. We have uh, Lorelai in kind of like a a red-purple mock neck turtleneck. But Suki, Suki is wearing something else. Suki is wearing, uh, (laughs) it's a long cardigan. It's full on cape. It's kind of giving cape vibes because of the way that it's attached. And when I first saw it, I had written it down as... A hooded cardigan. No, no, this was not even a hooded cardigan. This was a gray, kind of chunky knit maxi cardigan with closures at the neck and then just like an extended floppy collar. If you've seen it and you think it's cute, think about that again. Um, (laughs) and it is the outfit she goes on to wear at the wake, uh, underneath it, she's wearing, you know, like a red shirt and a red blouse and she's got some clogs on very standard, but what a weird, what a weird thing. We've seen Suki wear another long gray cardigan in the last episode. Just not, just not cute. This, this episode, you might be able to tell, I didn't have a lot of strong opinions about the fashion. I didn't have anything that I wanted to steal from the episode. Nothing really stood out to me. Um, We saw Rory in red plaid at Friday night dinner, which was kind of a departure from what we've seen her previously in. We do see her in some more of those bold stripes. It's more of like a striped sweater kind of situation. I would say best, best dressed is Max in his dark academia kind of professor vibe outfit. He just looks very put together. He looks very much the way I think he should look for something where there's going to be a lot of parents. And worst is probably going to be a tie between Suki's wonky cardigan. And Mm -hmm. uh, Sandra pointed out that Lane, when she and Rory are outside of Dosi's Market, Lane has like a big kind of stretched neck red sweater with something white underneath. And it just, we've seen better on Lane. We will see better on Lane. Yeah. Justice for Lane, always. Always justice for Lane. I I would say, though, I would totally steal that band tee for Lane. I don't even yeah. know what band it is. For that t-shirt, I would look up that band and listen to it. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. It's got a fun graphic. It's fun colors. 
There's a P and on it, so I'm gonna. I'm there gonna... was a P and like a one I, or an I. Yeah, I can't I tell. Somebody out there is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys don't know this band. I was, I was thinking maybe it was a PJ Harvey T-shirt because we do hear about PJ Harvey mm. in the future. But yeah? I, mm-hmm. I googled that and I don't. I can't say that it's not, but I don't see that particular, even anything close to that style coming up on an initial Google search. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody know how, knows, I would look for it. Yeah, let us know. I'm gonna figure Please out a reverse image know. search. I know you can. I just don't know how. <laughs> I'm gonna figure that out. <laughs> so, moving on to reference of the week, it was mentioned a little bit. Uh, skanking to rancid. Skanking to rancid, <laughs> which is a hell of a way to say dancing to some punk punk music. So, um, let's break this down. What is skanking? Well, skanking is a form of dance and is usually like a reggae or ska or punk. It is not really what she was doing, but it's similar to what she was doing. So is skanking a defined dance style the way that like twerking is a defined dance style in that there are specific movements that you do and somebody would say, oh, look, they are skanking? No, there's no specific movements. But it is a lot of limbs flying everywhere. <laughs> See, okay. But that's just how I two-stepped when I went to local shows in high school all the time. Like, I yeah. was I was an yeah. emo girl. I followed all the local <laughs> bands and was, oh, what was it? A presenter for, for shows. Um, I had friends who were, and I would help them out with stuff, so I was not. But, you know, I was I was in the know. But, yeah, I, I hung out with a lot of local bands and, and went to some venues around here all the time. And what Lane is doing is a very common form of what we referred to as two-step. Like, I had friends teach me how to do that, and it was literally just what Lane is doing. So, I, mean, I don't maybe know. Maybe you were skanking, and you just didn't even know it. <laughs> Been skanking for years. <laughs> Don't tell my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm watching a YouTube video uh, called How to Skank. (laughs) And (laughs) it is a very low production kid uh, teaching. He's wearing a mask. Not the type of mask that we wear now, but like a Halloween mask. Because he doesn't want to be associated with skanking. (laughs) Nope. And apparently you have to ball your fists up and swing them in counter with your feet. Meanwhile, with your feet, uh, simply just kick out one foot while you slide your other foot back on the ball of your foot while you while yeah. your kicking foot goes out. Yeah, I mean, is anybody getting like it? Elaine from Seinfeld vibes from that description? <laughs> no, that's how my daughter dances, like Elaine. <laughs> it's a cross between emo two step and moshing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, that sounds fair. That is um, skanking. Now rancid. Great band. Rancid is a. American punk rock band formed in 91 and um I know none of their songs but apparently they were mainstream slightly oh yeah time bomb was a big one and that's the one that she's she is skanking to I have also never heard of rancid or anything nope (laughs) they're still together I didn't know they've been together for like 30 years good for rancid yeah Tim Armstrong, Matt Freeman, they're like the the leads. There's a couple other people. And they're very punk, which is something that I associate with Lane Kim. Yeah. Punk music, so. And underground stuff, so. Her skanking to Rancid makes a lot more sense to me than her listening to Eminem. Yeah. Yes, I agree. 
Uh, Time Bomb is a ska punk song. So uh, I've never heard of it, but Emily. I love the concept of ska. Oh, and actually in popular culture on Wikipedia, uh, Time Bomb was featured in the 2000 uh, Gilmore Girls episode, Cinnamon's Wake. And Lane's band also performs a cover of it in season four. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, something to look forward to. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. For this week's Stars Hollow Speaks, we actually didn't have anybody write in, so I'm just going to use it as an opportunity to remind you, we love hearing from you. Uh, Our first episode went live the past week from when we're recording this. Uh, It's been great seeing people, you know, listen and watching the numbers go up, but please reach out to us. We love to be able to feature you guys in episodes. Like I said, we love hearing from you guys. It's super cool that we're building like literally kind of a global community of listeners and, you know, write in. We accept that we are going to be wrong sometimes. We are going to have opinions you disagree with. Let us uh, and we want to have that discussion. So please let yeah. us know. It doesn't have to be about a future episode. It can even just be about what we've already talked about and you just being like, if that is completely incorrect. <laughs> yeah. And this is how I feel. Or alternatively, uh, that's a great take, which I accept. So coffee. Coffee. We We went to a coffee shop, right? So you would expect a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, Rory has no cups at all. She's mourning. Yeah. Well, she's awkwardly trying to <laughs> we never figure see out her, her life. <laughs> in the coffee shop. That is true. Yeah. Lorelai Gilmore has one cup of coffee this entire episode. Clearly coffee has it off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean we have to assume that there is a lot of coffee that we don't we don't actually get to see yeah. Being yeah. in every episode, but Wow. Is that the least coffee we've had so far? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. All right. One cup. One cup of coffee. So we'll add it to the counter. But that has been Cinnamon's Wake. So until next week, I've been Sandra. I'm Jess. I'm Emily. Thanks and for listening. Yep. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, connect with us on Instagram and on Twitter at Town Meeting Pod. That is P O D at the end. And we actually have changed our email. So email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. So I don't know if you've noticed, but we like the whole Town Meeting Pod, except for TikTok, where we're Gilmore Girls Podcast. Thanks, guys. This has been Emily, Jess, and Sandra, and a special thanks to Nilgen for recording for us. Thank you.